Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Hello and welcome. Today is Thursday, October 21st. And first and foremost, I just want to get it out of the way because there are only a couple more weeks to get your questions in for the Thanksgiving Q&A episode. So if you would like to submit a question specifically for that episode, please message me. You can do that on my podcast platform, Anchor. You can do it on Instagram at Middle Aged Witch. You can also do it on Facebook, again, at Middle Aged Witch, or just send me a good old-fashioned email. Uh, my email address is Eli, E-L-I, at middleagedwitch.com. Uh, I always respond directly to every message that I receive. So if you have a question that you do not want me to share on that episode, please send it in anyway and just mention that it's private and I will happily respond privately to you personally only. I'll include my contact info in the show notes as well. Um, so the moon is waning gibbous and I hope that everybody got their full moon rituals done last night. If not, never fear. The full moon power will still be alive and kicking tonight. So maybe get those intentions working ASAP. We also have Halloween coming up in like 10 days, which as witches, of course, is our time to shine. And, you know, look, I know that it's such a stereotype for witches to go nuts for Halloween, but for God, frankly, I don't give a shit. It's fun and I love it. The weather is gorgeous. I'm watching my favorite movies. The decorations are cool. The veil is really thin. Now, next week, we'll go more into what that means for us as we talk about ancestor work and Samhain, but it is also relevant to Halloween because of how much more active spirits are during this time. Well, or it isn't that the spirits are more active. It's just that because the veil between worlds is so thin, we're more likely to notice their activity. And this isn't just the veil between our world and the spirit world that's so thin. The veils between all of the portals are very thin right now. So expect more vivid dreams, more astral travel, more alien and cryptid sightings. It's just a very exciting time. Um, You know, in fact, I was in the shower a couple days ago and I saw a big ass shadow person cross the entryway between the master bathroom and the bedroom and I just had a laugh to myself because, of course, they're always around us, but during this time of year, we tend to be more aware of them. So, you know, let's open ourselves up to what the other realms are willing to show us for the next several weeks and see if maybe there are some important messages that we don't want to miss. And it can be a little spooky and it can be a little unsettling sometimes to recognize that the spirits are trying to communicate with us or at least that we're a little more aware of them at this time. But, you know, just go with it. You're a witch. You're the biggest badass in your house. Don't be scared. So today I wanted to lean into those stereotypes of of witchcraft a little, and I want to talk about baneful magic. Now, this is a term that has come to replace dark magic and black magic, and I actually prefer it. Um, I don't like the notion that magic is black or white, and I definitely don't like the connotation that black or dark means bad. Um, So just to clarify, when I'm talking about hexes, curses, banishing, jinxes, etc., I will use the term baneful magic. Um, Now, there are a lot of witches who do not do baneful magic, 
And I respect that. It is entirely one's own decision what kind of magic they do and do not choose to perform. Um, I know that a lot of witches follow the rule of three, which we spoke about, I believe, in the Magical Misconceptions episode. And a lot of witches are concerned about karma. So I get why witches can be hesitant to perform this kind of work. But this episode is just for those of us who do, or at least those of us who are interested in baneful work and just want to know more. You know, I've said repeatedly that I don't hex lightly and I don't hex often, but I do hex. And it's true. And I think it's important to note that just because we're willing to hex someone doesn't mean that we're willing to hex everyone. And by and large, as long as we keep powerful wards on ourselves, we kind of don't need to hex very often. You know, I'm sure it's happened to a lot of us that, you know, we have found that when someone's kind of going out of their way to make our lives miserable, if it's a, you know, a hateful coworker or a spiteful in-law, that somehow things just seem to work out that the person who's working so hard against us ends up reaping what they've sown without us having to do much at all. Um, I'm going to be deliberately vague here, but I personally have dealt with a couple individuals who seemed determined to make my life a living hell. And although they did give me grief for a while, eventually their own lives fell completely apart without my intervention whatsoever. Um, okay, here, here's an example. Um, I had a boss several years ago who was just awful to work for. And I'm talking like sexual harassment, unreasonable demands. He was racist. He was a narcissist. He was dishonest. He cheated on his wife, et cetera, et cetera. And I struggled for so long with working for him because I was very new in that field and I didn't have the resources or the connections to strike out on my own. And he had been doing that work for a long time, and he could very easily ruin my reputation and make it impossible to work in that field, or you know, at least here in my town. And to be very honest, I was making a lot of money working for him, so I just didn't know what to do or where to go for help, especially because although I was working for him and under him, I was technically an independent contractor, so it's not like I could go to HR, you know what I mean? But it did get to the point where I was losing sleep. I was having panic attacks. Um, it was affecting my mental and physical health. And I just had to walk away. Um, my husband and I agreed that even if it meant I couldn't work in that field anymore, which did hurt a lot because it was not easy to get licensed to do that work, but it just wasn't worth the compromises that I was having to make with my health or my dignity and my ethics. So... I wrote a resignation letter and I detailed very specifically all the awful things he had done that contributed to my decision to leave. And I walked away and I never looked back. And I stayed friends with uh, another woman who was working for him at the time. And maybe a month or so later, I learned that she quit on him too. Um, and he lost an enormous part of his business due to his own sloppy handling of it. And also his marriage was in a lot of trouble. So that's what I mean when I say that most of the time, witches don't need to do anything. Shitty people tend to destroy themselves given time. But there are times when it would behoove a witch to intervene. And that's what this episode is about. Just as with other kinds of magic, there are a lot of methods, you know, spell jars, vinegar jars, sigils, bindings, on and on. 
So I'm not going to necessarily give step-by-step -step instructions about how to do curses here uh, because there are plenty of hexes and curses to be found in books and online, but I will give some very practical advice and some general tips. So first and foremost, and this is true if you're going to do any kind of magic, but especially baneful magic, make damn sure that your wards and protective charms are in place, that they're good and solid, that they're thoroughly charged. You don't know what kind of reverberations may come back on you, even if the object of your hex isn't a witch. And even if you don't believe in karma or the threefold rule, which I don't, sometimes people just have the knack for sending back ill intentions, even when they don't use magic and even if they don't believe in magic. So... Keep your amulets and your talismans healthy and even maybe do a special charm to protect yourself for the specific hex that you're setting. If you're unsure about protective magic, please refer to my previous episode titled Protection Magic for more information on that topic because it's an important one to have a very good handle on before you start jumping into baneful work. Next, be very specific about the hex or the curse. And again, this is true of all spell work. But if, for example, you're cursing someone to lose their hair, make sure that your curse is worded in such a way that they aren't going to lose their hair from, like, cancer, okay? Unless you really want this person to get cancer, in which case, holy shit, what do they do to you? But also, you're still going to need to be specific in the words that you choose to set the curse. By and large, magic works by taking the path of least resistance. So if you're cursing someone so that they have, you know, relationship trouble, the simplest way for magic to do this might just be for the person's partner to become gravely ill or even to just straight up die. So when you're writing your spell, word it very specifically. You know, a spell like, I will Connor to break up with Jasmine forever. That's specific. But if you said like, I will Connor to leave Jasmine, well, that's vague. Don't leave room for the universe to interpret your words. Be clear in your intention. Along that same line, set a timeline if it's appropriate for the spell. Because like, if you want your bitchy coworker to leave the company, you can work the best, most powerful spell ever. But if you don't set a timeline, you might be waiting for a while. You know, it goes along with the path of least resistance again. You know, maybe your coworker will leave in five years when she hits retirement age. But you probably don't want to wait around that long being miserable day in and day out. So maybe when you're writing your spell, you set your intention to happen, you know, say by like the next full moon or by Lunasa, or whatever the case may be, just be clear, be specific, and consider any potential mix-ups with your wording or with the outcome. All right? So, with all of that said, let's talk just a little bit about what kinds of ingredients and materials to put in your baneful spells. The typical things that sort of come readily to mind are God, like vinegar and lemon juice. Sometimes people use pickle juice. People use urine. Yes, they do. That's a very traditional thing to use in spell work. So, you know, keep that in mind. People use thorns, rusty nails, uh, pins, razor blades, barbed wire, 
basically any sharp bits of old rusty metal is very useful. Cash it is a popular one. Um, using literal poison, like rat poison or insect poison, very, very common. Now look, I shouldn't have to warn you to be very careful with these, but please, for the love of God, be very careful with these. Don't go touching this stuff with your bare hands. And if you do use these things in your spell work, make sure that your container is glass and has a secure lid. A lot of noxious chemicals are going to eat right through plastic or, or anything else that you might use. We're trying to stay safe. Keep it in mind. Uh, now, be, be very careful about mixing chemicals because you don't want to accidentally gas yourself. Uh, there are different reactions, chemical reactions that will take place when you start mixing things. So do your damn research always, especially with painful work. Uh, take the utmost care about what you do with these items and where and how you dispose of them. We are trying to hex humans. We are not trying to hex animals or harm the environment. Now, as far as herbs and plants that can be used in curses and other baneful work, here is a not at all comprehensive list of some of the more commonly used herbs that are good for spell jars and spell bags, uh, dressing candles, whatever hexing method you prefer to use. These are some of my favorites. Uh, first of all, good old cayenne pepper. This is great for causing anxiety and unease. It's a really good choice for making someone want to quit their job. Um, chili powder can also be used to cause discord in relationships, um, just general struggles. Hemlock is another great plant for sowing discord. Nightshades are a really great plant for causing nightmares and restless sleep. So if you're just looking to sort of make someone's life miserable in general, nightshade is a good herb for that job. Um, also, ivy is a great plant for doing bindings. Because of the way that it grows, you know, it just sort of wraps around trees and pillars and it just chokes out other plant life. It's a really a natural herb or plant to use for binding work. It works really well for that. Um, in that capacity. Stinging nettle will encourage jealousy and unhappiness in relationships. Um, ooh, next we have castor beans. These will cause sickness or illness, um, so can belladonna. Uh, datura, which actually it may only be easy to come by if you live somewhere where it grows wild, because um, in a lot of places it's actually illegal to grow on purpose. So that might not be one that everybody can get a hold of, but it's excellent for causing nightmares, confusion, and misery. Uh, mistletoe will straight up just cause harm. So be very, very capital V, capital E-R-Y, specific about how you set your intention with that one. Um, in fact, uh, mistletoe, castor, and datura, that's sort of what I think of as pulling out the big guns. These, these are like the big boys, all right? These are not for cutesy little baneful work. Like you're not using castor beans to make sure somebody always steps in water when they're wearing socks. You know what I mean? And there you have it. You know, again, if you do this kind of magic, please do so with the full understanding of what you're about to undertake. I am not responsible for any work that you do, which comes back to bite you in the ass or blows up in your face. We're all grown-up witches here, so we have to behave that way. Magic is amazing, and it can be a lot of fun, but it can also be incredibly harmful if we're sloppy and careless. So don't be a messy witch. 
hex responsibly, and I shall talk to you again next week. Now until then, my name is Eli, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.